Charlotte Soccer Show, Danny Brams with some guests in the house and some people that you know. I've got ways I can go. i got many different ways I can go here on this intro. I'm going to spin it out west, bring in my guy, Matty Gesslin first. Matt Gesslin, welcome to the Charlotte Soccer Show, late week edition here in the offseason. How you doing, buddy? Danny Brams, thank you for having me. What familiar faces we have here and another guest that is just, I think everyone's going to be super excited to talk about and hear from. So I'm going to pass it off because I don't want to interrupt and, and get take her airtime. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to say that out loud, but. So that's Geslin. He He's our man out in Portland. He's rocking and rolling, still trying to rep for the crown and New York City. He's all abuzz because New York City finally might have a soccer stadium for the first time and, not, and quit being the embarrassment of <laughs> Major League Soccer. Uh, John Hayes is here. There. Of course, the one and only. Johnny Hayes, John, at John Hayes on air, the man with strong opinions, strong takes, was happily wrong about a take, a Charlotte FC take that we're going to talk to him about. Uh, he can't wait to he can't wait to tell you how happy he was to be wrong. How happy were you, John? I, I'd say that I've been the happiest uh, that I've been all off season. I'll say it that way. I was almost certain that St. Louis Danny Brams was going to draft somebody from from Charlotte FC. Our, our our roster is absolutely loaded, right? Like when I look at that list of players available to take, I say like you could get two or three starters. So the fact that they didn't take anybody, huge win. But for what it's worth, I'm only here tonight because it's World Cup banter on Charlotte Soccer Show, yeah. and I just could not miss the appearance of one of our favorite people in the Charlotte FC community as uh, a guest on our show for the first time. That's right, and it, the World Cup is just hours away, if, if you think about it, if you if you want to stay up all night. Before Santa gets here, the World Cup uh, will arrive, so that's a beautiful thing. And you guys both alluded to our guest, so let's bring her in. Uh, Jess Charman. The voice of Charlotte FC on WFNZ, the one and only. So happy to have you with us, Jess. And uh, you've got World Cup fever on the English variety. We've got group stage uh, banter to throw around. And there, there's beef. You and I are, already have some beef. Uh, you've got some beef with Geslin, who carries a French passport. The Irish didn't make it, so John, Johnny and you are probably cool, but... Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Beautiful introduction. You know I'm a TIFO. Have been since day one. Love listening. Love being a part of it from afar. And uh, just grateful to be able to come in and have a little bit of chat about Charlotte, have a little bit of chat about the World Cup, and hopefully come out saving a bit of face because I know that uh, England isn't the most popular nation in America right now. Well, it's like, it's who, how crazy was it going back to the draw when we first found out that England and the United States were going to play each other in the World Cup again? We have famously played each other down the years, going all the way back to uh, we, uh, in the 1950s when the United States beat England, I think, and we, we hung our hat on that for many, many years but when we were down in the dumps and trying to get our program started. But we've played each other in cups recently, and now it's, it's shaping up again on Black Friday. The I don't know. The, American minute, holiday. The, the U.S. qualified and the draw was being. I just knew it was going to happen. Like it, I think it had I, to. If I remember it correctly, I tweeted out that it was going to happen, and yep. it literally happened. I think the fact it's on Black Friday is extremely unique. I'm super excited about that. I mean, we're never going to have most likely a Black Friday 
World Cup game. I hope we're not anyway. I hope we're not having another Winter World Cup anytime soon. So it's going to be a really unique occasion. Everyone's going to be ready to party. Everyone's going to have a long weekend. And what better way to treat the long weekend than a battle of the ages, like you say. And I think that it's going to have some drama. I think both teams have a lot of issues going into the World Cup. And I think that will make it a lot more interesting. You know, I think that it should be a fairly even game. And as long as it's competitive, we'll have a lot of fun. Could mean uh, Black Friday to a whole new level for either side, by the way. And Jess, you guys may incorporate the phrase after this game, potentially, who knows. But uh, to your point, even sides around on both sides, for sure. It should be a great match. And um, anyone in particular, you know, any matchup that you're looking forward to from from either side? Or is it kind of just like, hey, let's just see, you know, where, where it goes from. And uh, reverse reverse of a positive matchup. I'm pretty terrified about Harry Maguire. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I think that's a really interesting decision that a lot of people have got into. Mm -hmm. Listen, the guy's done good for England in times. And I do appreciate Southgate and his willingness to have loyalty. I think loyalty in coaching is very, very rare. And he definitely has that attribute with the team. And he's also done a good job of, bringing out the best of England in competition. You know what I mean? In terms of the World Cup, but pretty terrified about Maguire. I'm not going to lie. Isn't Maguire just living off of the one goal that he scored in the Euros like four years ago for England that, that or you know, even six years ago, maybe it is at this point. And he, what has he done since then? I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, for your I think if I remember the stats correctly, man, he was second top scorer for England in the Euros behind Harry Kane because he's an aerial <laughs> presence. He has that threat from set yeah. pieces. Set pieces seems to be yeah. the only way England can score. They're not going to score on you in the run of play. So I guess you need to have someone with an aerial presence. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's pretty rough to be playing someone and thinking that he's going to start in a back three when he barely gets in to a starting lineup week in, week out without injury. That's pretty concerning to me when you're from England, which should be a country that is full of ballers. And we've got a bit of Premier League bias, of course, with the selection as well. Jess, like, I, I want to know, clearly you're an expert on English football, on American <laughs> soccer at this point as well. And like... Tell us about your story. Like you, you came to the U.S. to play college soccer, if 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 I believe. Like, how did you get into the game, and and um, how did you end up a a broadcaster in the southeast here in the U.S.? Yeah, it's a it's been an interesting ride, and it all starts with you know being a three four year old that had an older brother that was going to football practice, and that I wanted to tag along. You know, so got into playing very young, uh, became a goalkeeper. Parents did a lot of hard work and investment in getting me to be a good goalkeeper. My dad always tells me off for saying it like this, but I, I truly believe it was like, he didn't want to be the dad of the crap goalkeeper. You know, like, let's be <laughs> honest, we've all, we've all watched you yeah. soccer. Parents are mean. I reckon he didn't want to be the dad of the goalkeeper letting in goals all the time. So he invested some good pocket change in getting me private training, got really good, uh, got recruited by Watford. When I was about 13 to play with their academy, ended up playing with Reading as well, which was obviously a dream. Uh, my last ever game for Reading was in the Medeski Stadium, which like still stays with me to this moment, getting to play in the stadium that you grew up watching the game. But uh, in England at the time, women's professional soccer wasn't really a thing. You know, it wasn't at least a career. And if you wanted to do that, plus get an education, it wasn't going to happen. So Bend It Like Beckham was a movie that I watched as a kid. And I Amazing found out about movie. college scholarships. Yeah, there's a musical, by the way. I went to see the Bend It Like Beckham musical. That is a, a must-see. Like, that was wild. It was like Bollywood 
mixed with, uh, you know, musical, it was crazy. But that movie inspired me, showed me about college scholarships. So went down that route, managed to get a full ride to college. And then that was where I got to do broadcasting because I went to a smaller school. I was able to be that big fish in the little pond. They needed someone to commentate. I was like, okay, I'll play. And then I'll commentate afterwards. So would commentate the <laughs> men's pool and then got really good at it, if I'm honest. And once I graduated, it wasn't going to be a full-time job. So I had a real job. Um, Firstly, working for a soccer nonprofit called Soccer in the Streets, which does great things in Atlanta, um, and then ended up as a gym manager after my visa got sorted out, um, but kept commentating, you know, driving across state lines. I've done games in Tennessee, in the Carolinas, in Alabama, in Florida, in Georgia, you know, wherever I could get games, I would get games. Mm -hmm. And then uh, a phone call came in January that someone couldn't take the opportunity. It wasn't meant to be me. I'll be completely honest with everyone. And I think it's important that people know that it wasn't meant to be me. There was someone else that was set up for the color commentator gig. They dropped out and I was the next choice, I guess. I think they knew I lived in Atlanta, so I probably wasn't ever on the first circle, but they were like, hey, would you be interested in doing it? And, you know, they're like, how far away is Charlotte from you? And I looked it up, <laughs> four hours in my head though. What's crazy is it didn't even come into play. Like there was no way I was gonna say no, it didn't matter. Even if it had been 10 hours, heck, I would have taken it up because these things mm -hmm. don't happen, you know, often. And I got that call and the rest is history really. And I'm so grateful that I did. And it, it's been a blessing and it's been the best year of my life, honestly. And that's pretty bad because my kid was born in 2021, but it's still. <laughs> 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 no, but it's, but it's great. Sorry, Johnny. It's great to see. I mean, uh, and, and you mentioned some of the, the difficulties coming up and, and obviously, you know, it, it's unfortunate and, and hopefully now we're starting to see more, more women involved that, at, you know, we hear it regularly on the Premier League uh, broadcast there. There's constantly more and more play by play, you know, female announcers and things like that, which is awesome. And, um, you know, just to hear how you you know, are willing to make that drive for four hours, you know, for game, just because you're that dedicated to the team and the opportunity is fantastic. And, uh, you know, I, I'm obviously like these guys said, uh, you know, not as associated with the club and, and from a distance, but, you know, listening in and trying to hear some of the games, you, you guys do an awesome, awesome job. And so um, it's really, really, you know, inspiring just to hear kind of what you went through and, and how you got to it and, and really just kind of the opportunities you took and, and what you made of them. So, um, you know, it's just awesome to hear. And, and like I said, hopefully it's just kind of that standard for, for other women to get involved in the sport and, and kind of follow that same path that you are. And, and I know you guys do as, as a club, an awesome job of uh, promoting, you know, the, the, the fans and, and, and supporting the community. And hopefully, like I said, you know, some, some folks will follow in your footsteps that maybe thought it wasn't necessarily possible. So, yeah. And um, I think awesome. whether you're a man or a woman, the biggest thing to learn from my story is to say, yes, you know, I think a lot of the time we're worried about, you know, how much we're going to get paid for something when we're younger or how, how is it really worth this? But the biggest thing for me was always saying, yes, you know, it didn't matter where the game was, how much yeah. I was getting paid. I wanted the reps because that's what sets you apart. You know, reps is how you're going to get better at this and build your vocabulary and all of those things. And I think that's where it's put me in a, a position to succeed. So I think my biggest piece of advice, people ask me that all the time, is just to say yes to opportunities, no matter high school, you know, NAIA, NCAA, don't turn your nose up at any of it because it can open a lot of doors. One thing I'll say is the who, the guy, whoever, or the, or the girl, whoever uh, turned that job down, 
<laughs> just like best decision uh, that that person could have ever made. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie. We're good. We're good. Thank you. Thank you for that. I'm not gonna lie. Everything everything happens for a reason, though. You know, yeah. and I'm sure that yeah. person is very happy with where they're at in their life. But I'm even more thankful. So. Well, you talk about opportunities. Let's segue to the opportunity that St. Louis had when it comes to our guys, our Charlotte FC squad, that some people were left vulnerable. It's just the way it is. It's the rules of the game. Some people – there's there's a list. You're either – some people are on the list. Others are not on the list. You know, there's a protected would, would list. You put Danny, would you protect Danny Rams? Jess, that's my question. Would he go on the protected list? I think both of you have to, right? Because you're a team and you only work well together. Can we just talk about how weird of a concept, though? The, yeah, I mean, thank you. Yes. It's the weirdest concept ever and how you can't expect that to damage morale. You know what I mean? Like, I remember interviewing Anton Walks, like, as the first player we ever interviewed in, like, uh, early, early February. And you could tell how hurt he was that Atlanta United left him mm-hmm. unprotected. And listen, him coming to Charlotte, best thing ever. He's so happy here now. Don't get me wrong. But can you yeah. imagine how horrible it is feeling that lack of value a little bit? And it's just a weird thing that the league does to make you. It's entertaining. I mean, all of us were watching, right? It's definitely entertaining. But yeah. I don't know if you get away with it in many other leagues, something like that. And how does the player yeah, go you, back to the locker room if they're not, you know, like to your point, it's super, it's so awkward, right? So now the organization saying, well, we're okay letting you go, but if you don't go, welcome back and nothing <laughs> happened. You know, it's one of those really weird situations. Just it under the rug quietly. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, I, that didn't happen. No, I, no. I think the one, the two that were sort of like we were worried about, right, which were Karuho and Shinyashiki as potentially as the biggest names that could have been taken once the protected list came out. That's why I the think, starters I was talking about. Those two guys as the starters. Like, I think you, the club the club has a reasonable conversation with those guys and says, hey, we're going to leave you unprotected because we know they're not going to take you. Andre, you just signed this big new contract. We know how much money we just gave you. They don't want to pay it. Uh, so I, th- I think he was reasonably safe. I, I never worried this – all the speculation around Andre maybe going, I didn't worry about. And then with Guzman, it's the knee, it's the the comeback, the rehab. Who wants to take that on with an expansion project? So I, I didn't worry too much about him either. So uh, I, I I did agree. I loved John's instant rivalry. I love John getting combative with St. Louis right off the bat. Like that, that's what I love about John and like how he was like, they're taking one of our guys. I know they're taking it like that. Why wouldn't they? We've got great guys, you know, like everything he was saying was right in line with like the mission and the, the love of this club. But uh, I did, I never worried about those two once the list came out. So I didn't know, uh, you know, St. Louis had other plans and their list ended up being really weird who they did take up. We, we could do a whole bonus episode talking trash on St. Louis, I guess. Uh, and, uh, Their kids and build, came build, out today. Building I, up don't I don't think it's as bad as everyone's saying. I don't like the stripe down the side, but I don't think it's that bad of a kit. That, uh, I, I don't I, like I, the yellow. I'm with you. The reason, why, the reason why I talk shit on it is because of the yellow stripe on the side of the kit. It ruins a good kit. It would have been yeah. a good kit without the yellow stripe. I don't care the meaning behind it. That exactly. We're on the same page, right? Like, exactly right. I'm just being more dramatic about it. Like, you're being level-headed. Like, yeah, it's a good kit. It just has a bad yellow stripe. I'm like, it's got a yellow stripe. It's a terrible kit. And I, I'm trying to, like, I, I don't think this rivalry is fake, by the way. I think that, like, there's there's something really here. 
Like, I think when you're the new kid on the block, followed by the new kid on the block, like, have you heard any discussion within the organization, talk to people in and around the club that are like, okay, our season's over. And now the, the new kids on the block are trying to come after us and, and potentially finish ahead of us on the table. Yeah, I mean, Willie P. Willie P for days is trying to brew that uh, rivalry. I think he wants a little bit in that one. I think that the hardest thing from the outside in as well, though, is the fact that St. Louis is doing a lot of the things that Charlotte FC got criticized about so viciously without the same level of criticism, whether it be international spots, whether it be not building the roster in a standard way. The only criticism I've really seen of their roster build loudly has been spending that much money on a goalkeeper you know which i, I quite like it i'm all about having a good goalkeeper maybe i'm speaking no being biased, but i think they deserve to be paid but I, I think that creates a chip on the shoulder when a lot of the people in the club yes they try to silence it but let's be honest you see what's happening on social media and it does probably get on your nerves a bit and charlotte fc got a lot of horrible horrible criticism whether it be zoran whether it be you know, Joe Labou, once he took over, there was a lot of nasty things said about Charlotte FC. And I, I think it must be a little bit of salt in the wounds and it must spur on and put a bit of fire in your belly that St. Louis isn't necessarily getting that same hardship working them into the league. They seem to be a little bit more of a golden boy, you know? What do you call him, Danny Brown? St. Louis SC, FC? Uh, <laughs> I, call, I call him STLC... SCFCSC United Rovers <laughs> Wanderers Rovers <laughs> just uh, just uh, yeah everything yeah just jam it all in there and also the their uh, if you watched their expansion draft the other night because I think we all were watching with bated breath if you were on the YouTube live stream in the chat there there was more Charlotte FC fans than St Louis fans I felt like saying don't take our guys don't take our guys but. Uh, they they kept mentioning uh, Hoffenheim, the guy Lutz or whatever, whoever their their sporting director is. Like, we want to be like Hoffenheim. We want to be like Hoffenheim. We're the we're the you know it's we bring hell for for ninety minutes, you know, and like talking about their playing style. So they're they're already coming and talking big about like a, a playing style. He's like, we're going to be like Red Bull, but good. And I think he said that literally at one point. <laughs> he was like, we're going to be like, you know, style of Red Bull, you know, but we're going to be good at it, you know? <laughs> so it's like just some funny stuff, but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to them having all the bumps and bruises of an expansion campaign that we went through for sure. You know when you're in like a content uh, dark hole and you've gone too far down the rabbit hole is when you're it's Friday night at 7 p.m. and you're clicking on the St. Louis City like YouTube page to watch their expansion draft live. Like that's <laughs> that's that's when you've gone too far down the rabbit hole. And Jess, I know you're down here with us, and that's why you're on the show, Charlotte Soccer Show, World Cup banter. I don't know whatever we want to call this show. I had a question lined up for for Jess that I haven't had a chance to ask oh, away. Please, please. What I need to know is. If England hasn't won a match in over eight months, why should I not dream that the U.S. can can get the job done on Black Friday? That, I mean, like, that's honestly my thing, question. John. Dreams are a good thing. And I, <laughs> I want to say I'm confident that England is able to, I mean, look at their last two big international tournaments, you know, Euros, Heartbreak. Don't need to go into that one. I know there's a lot of people that want to rub yeah, that. Yeah, Italy, Italy didn't even make the World Cup. Things change quick. 
Yeah, it's amazing how, you know, the mighty have fallen, how hubris maybe sometimes comes into play. But, um, you know, World Cup wasn't too bad. You know, it was a young, young squad. We're growing. We've been able to turn up in these big moments. Um, but I, I think you have a right to dream. I, I don't think it's going to be a clean sweep game. I think there's going to be a lot of drama. I'm wondering if it's going to have echoes of that World Cup semifinal on the women's side between the US and, and England. Uh, with all the drama, with the penalty miss, all of that. Uh, I'm hoping it is a game for the ages. And as long as England can nick one at the end and make sure I save face with at least a draw, <laughs> I'll be okay with it. Yeah, and what does that look like for, I mean, at this point in, in the development of U.S. soccer, what is that feeling like if you guys are going to lose to the U.S.? Is there a sense of any type of emotion <laughs> that goes with that? Or is it kind of just what we haven't really thought that is actually possible yet? I think that I'm fortunate enough to live here, right? So I don't have that level of ignorance and arrogance that a lot of yeah. English people yeah. have, you know? I'm, I I've would, no, I would a, never say that. No, no, I've no, done no. the Lord's work in terms of everyone that knows me back home now has more of respect for MLS, for US soccer, for understanding all of this. But you can't do the Lord's work everywhere, right? There's a lot of people back home <laughs> that still think, you know, you guys have the most MLS players you've ever had in the roster, or there's like 10 MLS players. Oh my gosh, this is going to be embarrassing for the US. And it's like, come on, guys, we've got Harry Maguire. And I know I keep going back to him, but it's just mm -hmm. like, you know, You're it's wrong. apples and oranges. You know, there's a lot of similarities, but a lot of differences. I think that there will be a lot of English people going into this one thinking that it's, uh, you know, a 3 0, that it's completely unexplainable if the US is able to grind out results. And I think you have enough good players on your roster that you can do some harm. And I think both coaches are under a lot of pressure as well, right? They're not two hugely popular mm -hmm. coaches. So I think that will be an interesting battle as well between those two minds. If you had to pick real quick, USA versus Wales, who's your winner in that match? USA. But I think Gareth Bale might have a goal or two in it. But I think the US is able to grind out some results. Bale knows how to hurt you. I just feel like he's that guy that... Mm -hmm. I mean, look at look at the uh, MLS Cup final. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I was so close to tweeting something out about Bale being embarrassed, and I'm so glad I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what he yeah. did? You know what he didn't do, Danny Brams? He didn't go the full ninety. No, he did not. Yeah, and there's true. not much time. So he's gonna go the full ninety at this point. To be fair, but we did say that he didn't he even need to. But he he's he's now a super sub at this point in his career. Yeah. Basically, is what we've classified him. But we did say that he is going to perform, Johnny, last week. We both kind of like oh, made yeah. that little in. Oh, I was, no, no, no. I was just asking Jess if, oh, yeah, she, yeah. if, if USA could win that match. Yeah. yeah, I think you can. I think you have to. I think that it's going to be, uh, I think a lot of those first group games, when you look at them, are going to be when there's that battle between the two that, and this is me going, oh, okay, England's going to finish top of the group, very tongue in cheek. But let's just say, it is that way because on paper, that's what people think, right? You know, let's be honest, people from the outside are probably putting England top of the group. Totally. That could be a very good battle between whoever picks that one up, has the momentum, has the confidence, and is probably going to finish second. So it could be the most important match of the whole thing for the U.S., honestly. And and do you feel, um, from your perspective, obviously a lot of people all of a sudden are talking about how difficult this group actually is, and, and Iran is not necessarily just a walkover, as I mm -hmm. think a lot of folks just kind of at first glance thought of. 
how difficult is this group and, and how much of a lock is, is England to finish first? Or obviously, I think we all agree that they advance, but you know, how, how sure of a, of a thing is it that they finish the top of their group? As we've all seen in, in tournament play before, that seeding can make a huge difference on your path through the rest of the tournament. So, um, you know, how do you guys feel from your side of things about kind of where that sits? Yeah, I mean, firstly, I think they've described it as it's the hardest group on paper, right? Because it's got the four highest ranked teams overall. We know rankings are hit or miss. It can be difficult. But I do think it's a tough group in terms of who's going to get out of it. When it comes to England, they've been slow starters at times. I think it's pivotal that they get that game out of against Iran out the way and they are able to put up that result to put that to bed. You know, I think that's going to be very important for England I, I think with World Cups, brackets is such a crazy <laughs> thing, right? Because yep. there are times where it's better to finish second. You know, yep. I, I look back to the World Cup and with England and Belgium, you know, and it would have been, you know, it's better sometimes to be on one side of the bracket. And I think when I did the look at it, it could very well be that one side of the bracket is extremely loaded. And that's going to be interesting to see whether mind games, whether some tactics <laughs> go into play there. I think it's a risky business. You always want to finish top of your group, right? But there are times where teams are like, it could make a huge difference to my path to a final or my path to uh, a semi-final if I'm able to get on one side of the bracket. So I always find that very interesting with World Cups. Yeah, I, 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 a lot of people have been hating on the United States roster since it came out. It's been pure vitriol and bile and just negativity on social media that I've seen ever since the roster was released. And we tried to spin it a little more positive when we did our uh, response show. And I'm pretty feeling we were positive then about the U.S.'s chance to advance. And I'm just as positive now. I'm ready to bring on the games. Bring on Wales. Let's go. I, I'm not too scared of Wales. C Christian Bale or uh, Gareth Bale, whoever his name <laughs> is, you know, Batman, whoever you want, whatever you want to call him. I hope machinist. we're not playing Batman. That would be problematic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let, let's that that's a one-man team it's not the Wales team of old Aaron Ramsey and Joe Allen are, are just not what they used to be Daniel James you know I was watching Daniel recently. James against Spurs on on yeah. Sunday, the, the last Premier League match day and like he was decent down the right hand side but like it, it's not like there was much difference between him and an average player at the World Cup like Wales yeah. Wales has I think it's it's you talk about Bale but when you look at a guy like Ben Davis, who is on their back line, I, I, those are their best players. I, I would argue that those those three. You know, other, I, I don't. You've been I, hyping I Ben Davis every time we talk about Wales. Well, he's a, he starts in the Premier League at, at a left wing center back position. I so mean, does Tim Ream. It's the reason why I want Josh uh, Sargent in the squad. It's the reason why I want Tim Ream in the squad. At least I'm mm -hmm. consistent, gentlemen. Yeah, I mean, true. like that's that's what I want in the U.S. squad. I want that Premier League experience where you step onto the pitch and you don't get consumed by the moment based on who you're playing just you, you've been on the pitch you've been in, in situations like that right like when, when i'm thinking about weston mckenney when i'm thinking about christian pulisic when i'm thinking about Gio Reyna, and they go out on the pitch in a world cup stage everyone's like wow these guys are so young but they play at some of the biggest yeah, clubs in the, i in think the world. that i think that and I don't want to criticize the college system because I'm so passionate about it. And I do think it needs to be an avenue, right? But in America, now it's changing with um, the academies you see with Brian that came in against Chelsea. You know, all of this stuff is developing. Mm -hmm. But I think for long periods of time in the U.S., 
kids went to college. So by the time they were getting professional experience, they were 21, 22, 23. Mm -hmm. I think back to Wayne Rooney coming on at what, 15, 16, 16 years old. Yeah, yeah. You start when you're a kid mm -hmm. in Europe, in England, because of the way the academies are going. I'm excited for the academy development in the US because I think it's going to start to separate, you know, your elite kids that belong on the pitch with grown men. The college level will still have its place because there's still going to be an outlet for those latecomers, the Julian Gressels, the, you know, the draft picks, Ben Bender coming in, doing fairly well. It'll also give them a way to go into the USL, you know, MLS Next Pro, all of that. But I think that when you're thinking about Christian Pulisic, he, he's stepping on the foot in front of thousands week in, week out. Like why? It doesn't matter how young he is. In fact, when you look at the age of some of these pros across other levels, he's not a baby anymore and I think that maybe American sports fans think of aging differently just because of the collegiate level right because you have that buffer between professional and high school that you don't have in other countries across the world yeah he's he is stepping in front of those thousands when he gets to play Jess I mean come <laughs> on he, you know so the, they're wasting them out there in Chelsea isn't that that's the talking point yeah, I'm worried about a lot of players that do that jump. You know, when you when you look to changing um, teams, what is it, Pepe, Pepe, whatever his name is, Pepe, Ricardo Pepe, yeah. You think he's, he's regretting? The, do you think he's regretting the move though? Do you know what I mean? Like, if he hadn't but, made the move, do you think he would have been selected? With him, he was told to move though. He was he was like encouraged by the U.S. Men's National Program. They said, "Hey, get out, go go over to Europe and see what you can do." And he went to Germany couldn't really break into this to the the rotation so then he was dropped he was loaned out to a dutch side and he's been scoring goals pep I, I, it it sucks ed groningen is where he's playing it sucks to see him not he scored a goal like uh the final game before the break after it was announced that he wasn't in the team he scored a, a nice goal yeah but so. it's tough though right Dave? i'm pro pep this point like he went to he he did make that move and he went to germany and it didn't work right so that kind yeah. of put him back even in the cycle. Like, would it have been better for him to stay through this cycle of the World Cup and then make that move? It's a double-edged sword, right? Are we saying well, yeah, and people are strong? Are we saying go to Europe? Like, it's kind of which, you know, which one? And I think Greg, you know, Greg's tricky, tricky man to figure out. Um, I think we've all seen that as saying that nicely. Um, but I think that's kind of where, you know, I think Pepe got a little – put in a, in, a, in a spot that he wasn't expecting, but, you know, I think it just kind of played out that way. And I would have loved to see him on the roster, though, for sure. All right, let's bring it back to Charlotte FC in the time we got left here. Jess, what do you think about Carol Swiderski's chances to make some noise in this World Cup? I was kind of thinking early on, if you go back to episodes that we recorded a few months ago, I was like, ah, Carol's not going to play much in the World Cup. Uh, he'll just be on the team. He won't really play that much. As they moved through their final friendlies and he developed sort of a de demonstrable chemistry with Lewandowski and whatnot, I'm actually really bullish on Carol's chances to play now. Am I just now out of my head? Am I, am I looking through crown-colored glasses here as I, as I stare at this World Cup scenario? Is Carol going to play or what do you think? I think he's going to play. I don't necessarily think he's going to start. I think they enjoy having Lewandowski up there by himself to begin with and then they see him as a second striker but I can see them making adjustments with him, bringing him on, having that impact. We've seen him be successful. You've seen they have chemistry. You've seen they're able to play together. How well do we want to do Carol to do out there? You know what I mean? I mean, we want him to do well for him individually, but as a Charlotte FC fan, you're also a little bit nervous if he goes out and has the World Cup of his life as well, that maybe he doesn't end up staying. But 
I think Carol's worked really, really hard. What I like to think about with Svidersky as well is how interested it is in the World Cup when you've seen a player playing, you know, in a number 10 role for the end of the season, right? And now he's going to have to adjust to playing as that second striker as well. There's a lot of players across all the rosters that are having to do that. Fullbacks that are now going to be centre-backs, you know, wing-backs mm -hmm. that are used to being more wingers. And I think that's so interesting and hopefully... For Carroll, he's able to adjust into that second striker role because he hasn't been playing as much of it across his time with Charlotte FC. So we'll see how he does. I think he's going to get minutes. I think he's going to have an impact. I know he's very popular in Poland as well. And let's be honest, he's probably motivated a little bit by the fact that all the world's eyes are on him and maybe he can get a really good money can't refuse offer as well, you know, which, yeah. Soccer's a business. I hate to say it. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to break any hearts, but nope. you never know. Maybe nope. it'll be the right thing for both parties. Mm. Yeah, and, no one's and, really scared of this Mexico team. So Poland has a pretty good chance to advance, in my mind, for sure. And and Jess, obviously, you know, you mentioned Lewandowski being there and, and the opportunity for Swiderski and Carroll to play alongside him. I mean, do you do you think that we'll start seeing some of that on the pitch now? It's obviously such a short window with them being able to play together. Do you think we'll see that some of what he's learned um, play out next season, or kind of how does how does how does Carol benefit? Obviously, besides oh. just being around Robert Lewandowski, yeah, I, how I does think that carry the, over? the experience is incredible. You know, I think that when you have your idol, let's be honest, he's the most capped, highest goal scorer in Polish history. There's no way Kasperski isn't playing with like his number one idol. How incredible is that? Right. How does that not motivate you? How does that not build you to your next level? You know, and I think that playing at the elite level I think both of you or all of you alluded to it it's a different level of pressure you know it's a different level of understanding it's a different level of putting this side on your back and we've relied on him a lot to do those things you think back to the comeback against Chicago you think back to moments where he was able to motivate the team and when you have that world cup experience under your belt it generates respect from your teammates to another level and I think it gives him another level of leadership that can benefit the team on and off the field as well, because how can you not respect someone that's played in the world cup, you know? Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I want to see Carol celebrate a goal. I'm just selfishly. I want to see our King do a goal celebration and, 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 and have that moment and bring it back to Charlotte FC's camp next year. That's what it's all about, Danny. Like that's, that's what the World Cup is about. It's about dreams. It's about emotion. It's about pride. It's about seeing someone who's connected with your club have success on the world's biggest stage, right? And like Sudersky doing well at the World Cup is something that every Charlotte FC fan should be invested into. Because the yeah, feeling, exactly. you know, what the social media team will do as well if he scores. Like, I can't wait. Yes. They, they do an awesome job over there. They do. I Absolutely. just want to see the best graphic. Like, I can't even imagine what those guys will be doing. Shit, even just if she if he gets in the game. Like, that <laughs> right. in and of itself is right. an accomplishment for any MLS club to have mm -hmm. a player mm -hmm. on. What if he scores board? a late equalizer? You know, they're in trouble against Saudi Arabia. They bring on Carroll. Well, he the, saves the, their the bacon. The crazy get, thing you know. to me is, is, is that like what Swiderski does in the keep when he plays with Danny Rios in that up top bouncers. His late season role. role. Yes, yeah. exactly. Poland is going to ask him to play that same exact role instead of Danny Rios off of Robert Lewandowski. 
That's mm-hmm. the life. That's the life that Carol Swiderski is living, ladies and gentlemen. He gets to do that at the national team. That's insane. Mm-hmm. It's well, it's truly remarkable. Danny Danny Brams, if they have a good graphic, I think I said five points last last show, so they're going to use that graphic quite a bit. I just want them to get ready for it. I'm just going to throw it out there. <laughs> yeah, you did say Poland was going to go. Carol was going to contribute to five goals and assists if he got the playing time. You said if he started, so which fair qualifier. Well, I have had an absolute blast like hearing from you, Jess, and Same. I know you added so much to my personal experience of following this team and listening to this team. I, when the club was on the road, my favorite thing to do was to, was to just tweak the, uh, the the scroll bar as a bunch of times on on the uh, the TV uh, stream versus the WFNZ stream, so I could like sync up you and Willie P's call with the with the game broadcast that I was watching visually. So. That was always fun, and uh, it, you guys killed it. And I, I, I can't wait to listen to more of your coverage of the team. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing for this World Cup. You're going to be working every day, right? You're going to be doing content and making your voice heard. Where can we hear that voice? Yeah, it's going to be some late-night soccer talk on 92.9 The Game, which is Atlanta's sports radio, but it's going to be accessible via podcast form on uh, the Odyssey app, all of that jazz. If you want to stay up late, it's going to be between – 10, 11, midnight each night just because we have to go around programming with the Hawks and all of that other stuff because apparently soccer doesn't take first dibs over basketball in America. Who would have ever thought that? But um, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. I never thought I'd be in the position that I would be you know, talking about the World Cup every single day. So even if it means I'm going to be exhausted and somewhat uh, running on coffee and empty fumes, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to do so. The, uh, the late night vibe though kind of fits and i hope you power through i'm excited to hear like you get more and more like coffee frazzled as the cup goes on for the for the (laughs) next month or so as i'm listening but the late night vibe kind of fits with the world cup and also with this cup because a lot of the games are going to be at like 5 a.m local time east east coast time and things like that the uh there's there's some oh so your show is going to sort of like get people that are already in that overnight vibe. And I, it makes me think of the, uh, the cup that was in South Korea in, in 2002, which was like an overnight cup for me living out, out West back in the day. So it, I, I like the idea that I can be hearing a late night live show to get me ready for the next games at, uh, at the next day's action. That's only a few hours away. Yeah, that's exactly the game plan. We're going to, you know, break stuff down, do the preview, throw in a lot of nuggets. Jason Longshore, who I'm going to be doing with, is a soccer genius. He was my complete and utter uh, role model. He's who my mentor that got me here. So to be able to now do it with him as two color analysts, one for Atlanta United, one for Charlotte FC, it's it's a beautiful thing. And, and what a nice way to bring us together in the off season, And then we can go back to being uh, frenemies once MLS goes back under play. Well, Jess, for me, it'll be um, dinner with Jess uh, here on the West Coast as you tape that. So that'll be just fine by me. No late nights here out on the West man, Coast. West Coast is what? I mean, West Coast Pacific time zone is going to be difficult during this. Cup. It will be. It already you'll is. Have, you'll have dinner with Jess, but... and you'll have like really late night matches, right? Yeah. You'll, like you could you could have a kick at one thirty in the morning if you want. Right? I sure can. But at least I'll be able to listen to Jess at a reasonable time and hear the, <laughs> hear the great the great recaps that are going on, and it'll be. Uh, you know, just like a, just a continuous 24-hour stream of the World Cup. How can you go wrong? They always insist, the West Coasters out there, that it's best. Oh, it's so much better out here. You get everything done early, but I, I don't know. I like the East Coast. 
Well, you've, you've done both, so I'll let you make the decision. But Jess, it was great to have you. Thank you very much for joining. I do want to ask you, I, I have to get your thoughts real quick. Who wins this World Cup? If you say England, based off of what you just told us, I'm may question it, but what? who is winning this World Cup? Uh, I'm going to... Okay, I would... Part of me would love it to be Argentina because of the story of Messi, right? I, I think it would be the most incredible story coming up to a thousand, you know, soccer games or whatever it is. Had the Copa America. It would be a glorious chair on the top. My heart's telling me Argentina and England, but really Argentina. My head is telling me Brazil. Fair enough. I think that's a consensus around the horn here. That no, no, no. I'm, I'm Argentina. No, I've got Argentina. Yeah, yeah no, I one of those two teams I'm, a, I'm official on Argentina. Gotcha. Fair. We, we all think that it's going to be a South American champion. Yep. Absolutely. It's time. It would, it would be a right year for a South American champion. There's, there's no doubt about it. It's a good. It's it's exciting. Can't can't wait for it. Jess, I'm just pumped that you're on the show. I'm delighted. Hey. Uh, I'm so happy that you're here. Thanks for coming on. Anytime. I will be back. I told you I'm a depot, so I'm actually almost a little fangirlish myself. So it's been a pleasure. <laughs> Tremendous friends of the show. That's the crew. And uh, we appreciate you being in it. It's for the crown, baby. <laughs> <laughs>